0: Welcome to the B and podcast with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte, exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted.
1: It's us again <laughs> on the B <B&E> and podcast. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's like, I feel like we try and ramp it up to, to throw it in. I thought of like, maybe we'll just kind of make it sound like, but oh. I felt with the title, I kind of seemed like somewhat appropriate. Um, cause today we're talking about, um, how to stay on track, on track when you're feeling discouraged. Is that the, what we called this one? something like, I forget now you threw me off Yeah, your, totally. your opening totally <laughs> Um, Well that's what it's it's along those lines. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um uh when we feel like giving up, that was probably what it was. How to stand Stand track track when you feel like giving up. When you feel like giving up. Because as artists, man, it's a shit show out there and uh there's loads of obstacles and continued obstacles that uh that come up against us in terms of, you know, functioning in our in our worlds and our societies and and you know, making our obligations while being able to create, it can be a challenge. And it is a challenge that I continue to come up against and have come up against. And I'm sure you have as well. And, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what we've learned about that shit
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was just thinking, I remember Linda Darlow saying that she's like, I give up every night. And then I start again in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I give up this industry every night.
1: (laughs) That's what she said.
0: Um, but I feel like, uh, you know, the, the thought of giving up, if you hang if you hang out in an artistry career long enough, you're eventually going to face it and you're probably going to face it a lot. I think it's a very normal thing. I don't think people everybody seems to know about it, but not everyone really likes to talk about it. Cause people don't want to get down. They don't want to get discouraged and like talk about like giving up. And I, and we're not going to make this a discouraging talk by any means, yeah. but, um, I think that, you know, there's definitely the threat of like, am I doing the right thing? Have I yeah. like messed up my life? Am and, I like making a mistake here?
1: Yeah. And yeah. by not
0: talking about it,
1: you know, it's just like, which is, I, I understand, especially for a lot of people in the arts, it's like, it's not always a choice that, that you make that is supported by everybody around you. So to, to have your, your confidence shaken, to have your faith a little bit wavering in what you've chosen to do is you, you can't always talk to everybody about it. No. Because you don't feel safe talking about it with people. But the thing is, is that this is a reality, um, that most of us face.
0: And, and some people will pounce on it. If you tell them, like, I'm thinking about maybe doing something else, some people will be like, "Yeah, you should," because they'll project their fears onto you. And so, yeah, I think sometimes we don't talk about it because we don't actually feel like if we talk to people, they would help us actually deal with it.
1: Yeah, you know, they would just kind of feed into our fears or encourage us to give to give this thing up. Yeah, right. And you know, maybe that is actually the choice for some people that, Mm. that is the right one. Um, but we're here talking to people who, you know, they love what they do. Yeah. I think. And, and who, but it's, it it can still, it can still be,
0: be really fucking hard sometimes. Like, you know, that saying too, is like, um, nothing is forever. People often go and they attribute nothing is forever to good things but nothing is forever also goes for things that you don't think are so good. Like yeah. if you gave up, even if you've already given up and you're like, I'm listening to this artist industry talk these guys do. And I'm kind of thinking about getting back into art. The thing is, is or whatever, or I never started or whatever. The thing is, is that you can leave something for a while and come back to it, you know? Yeah. But I think the whole, the, the whole concept of giving up is, um, it's not really so much of a valid word even. Cause I want to suggest that like, you know, are you giving up or are you walking away or are you taking a break? I mean, how do you really know? Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes like, you know, I used to say when I was younger, I never give up and I used to have that mm-hmm. kind of point of pride. And then I realized that I was in like some bad situations, you know, like one for uh, being in a, in a relationship that was toxic, for example, and be like, I never give up, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, no, this relationship, is not great. It's not about giving up. It's about walking away and choosing something that's better for me. Yeah. There's a difference
1: between giving up and letting go. Yes. You know, letting go is an empowered decision. Giving up is a kind of a fear, fear fear-based decision. Yeah. Um, and also this, well, like in this sort of this line of conversation makes me think of a, one of my favorite Dan Millman quotes, which was, um, people rarely fail at anything. They only stop trying. Right. Um, which I've always, I've always loved that one. It's just like, if you really look at anything, sometimes things take longer than people thought that they might take, which I think is kind of part of how we started discussing this topic. You know, you had said, I want to talk about, you know, like how we plant the seeds of things and that it takes time for these things to grow, you know, like it, it, these things don't just happen overnight. And, uh, but I think that we very much, uh, especially in the Western world where we have a culture and society and, and especially for like millennials and stuff who are probably the majority of our listeners is in that kind of category. I mean, we've, we are in a time that is very much unlike any other in terms of how immediate things are. Yeah. Uh, and and so we have this feeling, the sensation of that things should be happening very quickly for us. Big things should be happening very quickly for us. And that's not necessarily going to be the case for everything. It's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. You can have a movie streaming on your television within seconds. But when it comes to having a fulfilling, uh, long-term career in the arts, that's something that's going to take time and nurturing and, and is going to come down to doing the little things mm. or just doing little things. Um, whether that's, that's actions or, uh, about growing and learning to have some new perceptions about, your life and your career going forward, those are equally important. Mm -hmm. I guess we're probably going to get into some of those things.
0: I'm sure we are. And I, you know, I want to, I want to preface this by saying that if you have walked away or you've, you know, or you've um, left or let go or whatever, or you're thinking about walking away or whatever, I want to say that if you're thinking of doing that, don't be ashamed in it. You know, sometimes it's good to step away from something so that you can get some perspective on it and then you can come back to it in a much more powerful way. But I don't think you want to look at it as giving up. I mean, the only way we can truly give up, if we even can, is that something has a like like a lot of pressure. It's it, we're hanging on. It's like a really intense like it's it's a crisis moment in your life and you can hold and like stand there and like deal with it or you can give up because it's too uncomfortable, too painful. Now that to me is like giving up. That's kind of what people I think attribute the weaker choice of giving up. But walking away isn't necessarily like, you know, let me just use an example of a toxic relationship I was in. So you know, sometimes you're going to get in a fight. Maybe you're in a partnership or relationship, whatever, and you're in a fight and it's difficult and things aren't great. Mm. And you're in an argument and you don't like what the person's saying. And so you just leave the room and you're just like, it's too uncomfortable for me. I don't want to deal with it. Well, that's kind of giving up. That's giving up on the conversation. But if you're in a situation where this person is being abusive and insulting and maybe physically, verbally, emotionally, whatever, and you're like going, okay, you know, I'm perfectly willing to sit here and have this conversation, but this person at this point is just attacking and it. it's not good. And it's, it's, not, I'm not okay with it. And so you need to be able to say, I'm going to let go. I'm going to walk away from this because I'm not okay with the way this is being conducted. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't just go like, I'm not leaving because it's so painful. It's leaving because I don't stand for that anymore. You know? And so, um, You can say to the person, look, if you continue to insult me, if you continue to say these things, then I'm not going to stay in this conversation. It is uncomfortable, but that won't be why I'm leaving. Why I'm leaving is because I don't sit in conversations that are abusive and insulting or whatever. So giving up really is only when things, when you compromise your own principles, your own values. But if you're not compromising your principles, principles and values, if it's something, if it actually honors your principles and values to walk away or let go, then that's an empowered choice. Mm -hmm. So I just want to separate that point because I think sometimes like as actors, for example, or filmmakers or writers or painters or musicians, we go, but, but like, I can't give up on it. It's like, well, right now, if it would be healthier for you to take a step back and say, look, I'm gonna take a month off. I'm not gonna make any music, not not go to any auditions, I'm not gonna write anything, I'm not gonna whatever. I'm gonna do me, I'm gonna go travel. Yeah. And then after that time, I'm gonna make a reassessment of how I want to come back to this and what I want to do. Or you wanna do it for a few months, or you wanna do it for a year or a few years, whatever it doesn't matter. And then you can come back and you can choose it powerfully. But if you're just scared to leave it, then it owns you and you don't even own it. So I want to kind of clarify that from the beginning, because as we get into this conversation, I want people to be empowered around choosing their art and choosing their life and not feeling a victim to it. And like they, they are imprisoned by it. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: that's, that's a a really important distinction. And I think a really important message for people to hear, uh, and to know, I, I think of, um, one of, one of our teachers, Ted Whittle, we were in that, in his acting class. And I remember before he left to start up with his family in another, another city and stuff, he had, uh, I remember him saying to, to all of us, uh, he said, I, I don't know what, like, where you guys are going to end up going, you know, like, as far as us as actors and careers and what was going to happen. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but he said, I do know. It's like that this path that you are on is is leading you somewhere. Like it is going to lead you to some place. Like, and I thought that was like, just really awesome. Like it was because yeah, like everybody who was in that room and, and as talented and as skilled and intelligent and educated as everybody was that I met through in that classroom. It's just like, well, the, the fact of the matter is is that everybody's path was going to be different, Mm -hmm. but we'd all shared this sort of experience with each other and did tremendous work with each other, um, and for each other. And that, some of us were going to go in different directions, right? But our commitment to what we'd done and our pursuit and dedication to what we'd done up to that point was important for moving on to something else and to something else. Like myself, I even wonder that sometimes I'm like, well, it's like, I've spent so much time and, and money and energy in this whole realm of acting. And I have times still when I go, I I have absolutely no idea what's going to come of this, what's going to come of my, my acting. If, if necessarily being an actor, like a performing actor is going to be the, the core of what I do. There's times when I go, I don't know, maybe I'm meant more so to teach people about this thing called acting, mm. because I know I have a lot of passion around that. And sometimes I feel I have more passion around that than I do necessarily in pursuing my, my own self as an actor, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it's not like it's ever off the table. Cause I know I still love it. You know, it's like whenever I have an opportunity to do it, I'm just like, Oh yeah, I love this shit. It's like riding a bike, man. It's <laughs> like, it feels great. Um, but who knows right there's so many different different places it can take you and skills that you you learn through your dedication to your art that have that teach us things that give us <clears throat> skills and lessons that that apply and go into so many other things that can bring something unique and special with them into into other settings which I think is also another really valuable thing to keep in mind. Now I'm not saying that you necessarily have to let go of your thing because this is what we're, we're getting into. Like when, when you feel like, like giving up, you know, and at a place of, of that discouragement and feeling like giving up, it can be a really profound time to actually really reconnect to what it is that you're doing. You've, I know you've personally had a relatively recent experience with that. I know you've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but perhaps you would like to share that a little bit or not. <laughs> Which part
0: particularly?
1: Um, about you, you had a recent event where you were feeling very discouraged and wondering what you were going to do ah. with, with, things. And it ended up being like a really kind of a powerful and, and, and profound dare say life-changing moment.
0: Oh yeah. Definitely life-changing. I don't know if I want to get into it just yet. Just because okay. it's also that's fresh. At the moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, we can
1: allude to it perhaps a little bit without getting into specifics.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, like, and I probably will get into it eventually, you know, if people keep listening to the podcast, they will eventually get the story, you know, it will begin to come out. Um, you know, uh, and I, you know, I want to be careful about what I say at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. but what I can say from what I've learned through it all is that it's really, really important to trust your own instincts and to be your own authority, you know, ultimately in life to not look for your answers from somebody else and not have your friendships, have the people you love, have the groups you're involved in, all of that, but never put too much faith into one individual alone Mm -hmm. or one group alone. Don't identify with any individual too much. Don't identify with any group too much. Don't identify with any um, job or activity too much the reason why I say this is so important is because I think what the reason why some of us are so scared to say, walk away from acting or walk away from music or something like that temporarily is that we've identified with it so much that we have a tough time seeing our life without it. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, no matter how much you love something, No matter how good it seems, no matter how much it seems to be you, it is not you. You are you and, you know, whatever, whatever thing you do is an extension of you. And I think at some point, I personally think every artist, every person in the world should be willing to let something go, not forever, but temporarily so that they, they can see that it is something they choose, that it exists because of them, not they exist because of it. Mm. And I think that, um, people get caught in stuff, um, identifying too much with things. Yeah.
1: I think that you're talking about something that I was not actually talking oh, okay. about, but it was, everything you but said was, was awesome. Yeah. That was also was, a life changing moment. was so good. I guess um, I've had
0: a few recently. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh,
1: I was speaking more so recently when, when you feel like discouraged about specifically about the path of art that you had you had chosen. And I was pretty sure that you'd already talked a little bit about
0: it, but um well remind me because I'm not I, I'm I'm not following Well,
1: okay, so it was like it it was it was a recent a recent ish event where somebody like uh a family member Oh yeah, yeah. had oh had me, okay. discouraged you yeah. from being an artist
0: and it shook you up it shook you up. And let me me talk about this. This was, this was a life changing. This one. Okay. (laughs) And life has been interesting this year because if I have two that are readily available, that's enough. Um, says my dad. Okay. So, well, if anyone's listening to the podcast, they know I talk very highly of my father and you know, the mentorship and stuff that he's given me at the same time. Uh, he has not always been very supportive of my art artist career and my personal choice in life and whatnot. And so, um, I'm not going to get into the details of the message, but you know, uh, in my opinion, he wanted to be an artist in his life, never got to do it. Um, and so, uh, you know, and I think that there's a kind of, a, a burning desire there in him to be creative and he's expressing that now, but he's not really fully taking the leap in his own way. And so I think the fact that I'm pursuing it is bringing up a lot of his shit. And anyway, he sent me a message. Um, this was several weeks back. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, you'll know that I wrote a script in two days, almost immediately after this event with my father. Cause yeah. basically what ended up happening was, um, his message to me, his text message was very, um, discouraging and very, you know, whatever it was, it was unwarranted in my opinion. But what it did was it made me face the alternative, of not being an artist. And it made me kind of really look and assess like, well, what if I just give up all my artistry stuff, go do business or go do whatever, go get a nine to five job and just make money and do the thing. And I just was like, no, I don't want to do it. And like, I just realized, like, I love doing this. And so the first day I was really pissed off. But then the next day and every day after that, I had a massive amount of motivation because I realized, no, I really want to choose doing this. Previous to that, I was in a kind of a bit of a state of discouragement around my art and not really motivated, not really kind of driven, not at least not the way I want it to be not passionate and excited. And this in a weird way helped me tap into all that passion and excitement. Well, here's recent news. So just yesterday I messaged my dad back. I wrote him this very big letter and I said, he asked me if I wanted to do some tiling work at his house for paying me a lot of money, like 200 bucks a day to do this tiling work, which is pretty good money for tiling, at least whatever. And I said, no, I don't. And I said to him, I said, look, dad, here's the thing. I don't know if I can always trust you as a mentor to feel like you're supporting me and encourage me in what I want to do in my life. And I basically said, I'm not going to sum up the whole, I'm not going to quote the whole letter, but I said, you know, because he mentioned some things about my brother and my family and whatever, and his opinions about what they think of me, which I don't think were warranted or true, but whatever, they were his opinions. And I said, listen, if anyone in my family wants to talk to me about their opinions of me, or if they have advice, they can talk to me directly, but I don't listen to what anyone else says about anyone else. That person, if they need to talk to me, they can call me. I'm always available. And I said, um, you know, I love you and I'll always be grateful for your support. But here's, here's the thing. I'm going to be fighting my own fight and you can be in my corner and you can be cheering me on and helping me, or you can be in the audience watching, but those are the only options. And you will see me because I shine in life. Mm-hmm. And I, I went off and I said, you know, and I was very kind. I said, look, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm, cause he said his text, I said, listen, I want an apology from the text. And I also want you to look at the effects this has had. And I mentioned a couple things things that are going on for him personally that I know about. And I said, look, the stuff that's going on for you personally, regardless of any of this, I'm here for you as a friend and as a man, I yeah. will be there for you regardless. But as far as this, I'm going to distance myself for the time being until you decide what you want to do. And, and I said, if you don't want to come back into my life this way, and, and I said, these are my terms of which I want love and support and encouragement on. If you're not okay with my terms, I'm okay with walking alone. And I said, no matter what, I will always appreciate the encouragement, the mentorship and support you have given me and the lessons you've taught me along the way. And so uh, it was a great letter. Wow. I was really happy with it walked away. Uh, he messaged me later. He says, I get it. He says, let's move forward powerfully. And, um, you know, and this is really good, you know, because I really, and I, and I, and I, and and there was a little bit of what I felt was a little bit of bullying by him, a little bit of kind of like you do what I want you to do kind of thing. And I said, look, there's, I also said in in this letter, and I I think this is good for people who are having trouble with maybe parents and stuff. I just want to share my story a little Mm -hmm. here. I said, look, I don't, I used to be bullied in high school. I used to let people walk on me. I used to be a punching, punching bag in a doormat. And I used to just always say water up and ducks back. And I said, you know, I don't take it anymore. I don't take abuse anymore. I don't, I don't, I, I don't accept it. I'm, it's absolutely no go for me. And I said, you know, so what you've done here is I feel like bullying. And I said, I'm not going to accept it. And I, and I stood up. And, and the thing is, is, I think for him, it was a very compassionate way for him to see that his behavior was, was not good. And also Mm -hmm. here's a little bit more info. And I I don't, I I don't want to make anybody wrong because I, because I think what my dad's intention is, is out of love. And I mentioned this to him, but I I know his intentions out of, I want the best for you. I want you to be, you know, safe, secure. I want you to be able to support yourself. I want you to feel like you're building the future that will be strong for you. Mm -hmm. So he, his fear is just that I'll go down this artistry path and that I won't actually, you know, build a strong future and I'll wind up one day going, man, I made a mistake. I get it. Yeah. So I said to him, you know, know, him and my mom have not always gotten along and sometimes they dispute with each other. But I, you know, I said to him, I'm like, as far as any member of my my, my family goes, my mom or you, I don't let you or mom ever talk poorly about each other to me because you're, you're both my parents you're both my blood. I can never change that. And I I will be you guys to some degree. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't help me if you guys talk poorly of each other, nor does it help me if you talk poorly of my brothers or anyone in my family. And so I said, you know, if if, if, whatever we talk about is between you and me, and it's our opinions of each other and it's our relationship. And if anyone else in our family needs to get to, because I wanted to comment on the family saying, if anyone else they can call me. I have my number, and I will talk to them, and I will listen to them, yeah. And I will be respectful. But, you know, and and it was the one of the strongest moments in my life, you know, about mm-hmm. standing up to this because up until I mean up until this point, you know, I I've never really had the courage in many ways to say to my dad in a way in which was that I love you, but these are my terms. Mm-hmm until now. And it took me until this point in my life. I mean, some people maybe figure it out early. Maybe some people never figure it out. Maybe my story, and thanks for bringing it up, maybe my story will help encourage people. Because I think also, um, sometimes what we need to do for our dream is sometimes we need to compassionately and powerfully make a stand for what we want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, cause my first wanted to write the letter back. I had anger and I had, yeah. I was upset, but that would have just been destructive to our relationship and it would have been kind of pissy and a weak way to fight for my dream. Instead, I took some time, took a breath, responded. I even turned down, like, honestly, like, you know, doing some tiling work with my dad, hanging out with him all day. I mean, I like hanging out with my dad. Don't get me wrong. Most 95% of the time, which we have some issues every now and then. Yeah. Hanging out, tiling with him, getting some money, doing that for a day when I had a free day. Um, you know, why not, you know, get a few hundred extra bucks for, you know, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's fine, but, uh, you know, and help them out and all the other good things. But right now I'm like, no, I don't, anything that distracts me from working on the script, building my, you know, courses to help people make movies, uh, getting my movie made, working on my acting, anything that takes me away from that right now, I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. I'm in a certain place right now where it's like, you know, nothing is deterring me from that. Yeah. And yeah. So my point is, is that, in some ways, I think we have to, um, face the concept of losing something or walking away from something or yeah. letting go of something or quote unquote, giving up on something yeah. before we can fully choose it and get passionate motivation. Yeah. Towards
1: it. Cause sometimes like something triggers you. Sometimes it is, it's like a family member or a friend, or maybe it's a, it's a, a news article or just, uh, some, some sort of thing. Just, just triggers on our shit. Like it just pokes us in where we're vulnerable as artists. Um, and I think that there's a lot of similarities in, and a lot of common things that as artists, no matter where you are, we kind of share this sort of this feeling of, of every now and then of this discomfort, this real, like a, a really strong feeling of discomfort at times about like, a, a, of uncertainty
0: mm.
1: of uncertainty that kind of comes along with this, with this path, uh, and with this territory. And I mean, and there's practical things you can do, but it's also, there's, I think with this story in specific, what I want to go into is, uh, a lot of it is, is about perception and how we choose to look at, at things is I think at the core of how we go about these things, because sometimes, oftentimes it is those challenges and it is when we have those things pressed upon that are really vulnerable in us, that we find our strength in all of it. Um, you ended up finding strength, even though at the time it was shitty. Hmm. And I know I've been in that situation as well, where it's like, I remember I had, I had almost completely disconnected from from acting in the community for like over two years. I wasn't going to to class. I was still auditioning, but I just was not out there in the community. I wasn't taking any classes. I was so weary of taking any classes because I had just, I hit a point and, and, you know, there was a degree to which some of it was, you know, the, uh, some of the, the teaching that I had i had been given and and how i had been taught it's not always what you're taught i've discovered in classes it's how you're taught things that becomes the issue sure um and how i was taught in certain things had just really created um a lot of a lot of inner turmoil uh into what i was doing where it's like i i didn't like doing what i was doing anymore i i, I wasn't enjoying it it become something else and I'd lost sense of what I was doing. I lost sense of who I was within that. Um, and so I had to take a complete step away and it it wasn't, it really wasn't a very fun time. Um, but within that time, I had started to ask myself questions that I'd never really asked before. Like, what do I really even think about acting? What do I even think about everything that I've learned? You know, because up to that point, I had very much just been taking things at face value, you know, just like, oh, well, these teachers, they all, they all know what's best and they're the experts and they're the professionals here. And so what they're teaching me is what I need to do in order to succeed. Mm -hmm. Right. And when, the success wasn't really coming immediately. You know, I wasn't really, nothing had really changed in, in a lot of regards in terms of, um, uh, uh, results or external things, you know, occurring. Uh, and then even within the class itself, I wasn't enjoying my work anymore. Uh, it was being, being thrown into this sort of state made me question everything. It made me question everything I've been taught and then begin to rediscover myself in what I was doing. And as a result of that, I was then able to, and I even wrote about it and I I bought like a little book and I started to actually write what I actually found worked in acting or at least for myself personally, it's just like, this is what I think kind of works. And, and, and started to put that together. And then after many years, I started to, as and it, it was, I think only because of that time, I then began to find teachers who really did help me in profound ways. But it was only after I had gone through this whole process, which was, like I said, it was, it, it was a confusing time, but it ended up being the a, an incredible catalyst for change. Mm. Um, and recently, uh, a friend of mine who is, uh, who is an artist, um, who hadn't been really doing a, a, a ton of work had fallen into just like being like full time doing a job uh, recently made a big investment into, into some new equipment, like top of the line. Like if you want to be an artist illustrator, like this is like, this is the fucking thing to have. Right. And had, and was recently sharing with me that he'd been putting it off and putting it off. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of money and blah, 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 blah. Anyhow, know, he had some shit happen for him. Some things in his life kind of fell away. And he was just like, I don't even know what I'm, what I'm going to do. And what he did is he, he bought this damn thing for himself. Hmm. He bought this thing for him to do his work because he'd been neglecting his work. And it took this thing for him to do it and to realize, what am I doing? Like, like, cause he he was very practically telling himself, oh, it costs too, it costs such a large amount of money and blah blah. blah. And he's just like, well, what am I even doing? What am I even making money for? What am I even working this job for? Right. It's like I should like. It's like I'm either going to be doing what I'm what I want to do or I'm not. Right. And so sometimes it just takes a kick in the fucking pants to get you to like really realize what something means to you, right. and for you to start fighting for that thing again, or to just reconnect to that, to, to, a f- you know, the forgotten fire that you've gotten you. Yeah. So I think as a first step, and when you're feeling in that place of giving up is that know that this could actually be the thing that if you listen to what's going on with you and you really if you don't try and ignore it and stuff it away and really listen to it, um, it could be the thing that just catapults you into a fantastic new direction. That's more authentic and more genuine to who you are. Hmm. So keeping perspective on, on that level, I think is, is so big.
0: Yeah. You know, there's, that's really great too. I mean, his, I relate to his story. I mean, it's kind of you know, it's, it's similar. I mean, there's a certain kind of like, I'm just going to go all in, you know, point. And, you know, what this conversation is bringing out for me now, right in this moment is like, how many of us are not really all in, we're kind of like, in it, but we're not really all in. And we're kind of like one foot out enough so that we could still leave. And we haven't really burnt that bridge to walk back, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I think that, you know, everybody's going to make their own choices in life, but at a certain point, you know, when are you going to burn your bridge? Where are you going to, when are you going to burn your bridge to go back to that safety net? When are you going to cut the ropes of the safety net and, and go for this thing Mm -hmm. and do it? And I think that it's a scary experience to think about, but like, once you have no other way to go, there is only one option, but to go all in. And, you know, my kind of model, cause I spent, I mean, I spent every single dollar I had, um, you know, early in my career to go after my filmmaking career and, you know, certain things didn't work out. Like, like, uh, you know, certain things, um, fell apart along the way, which, um, I, I feel would have leaped frogged me into an entire new stratosphere of a career earlier mm-hmm. in a bigger way. Um, but the thing is, is that I'm so glad I went all in. And the the thing is, is I, I often look back on my experiences and I think, man, like I never would have gone out and done what I've done and made the show that I made and had the experience I had. If I didn't go all in, Mm -hmm. I went all in and created something that not only changed my life, but changed many other people's lives. And I still have people come up to me today to say, you know, your show and what you did inspired me to make my show. And I think like, you know, that's a huge impact in the world. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that my point is, is that my experience of going all in is this. I was able to face much more adversity than I ever could have had I not gone all, gone all in. So the fact that I have gone all in is part of what has helped me to have the steadfast ability, the strength, the courage to, to write my father that letter, to, mm-hmm. to be able to write a script in two days, to be able to, you know, have a writing career where I'm getting paid, you know, to, to, to write multi-million dollar films. Yeah. To get here took a certain amount of Or am I gonna go all in? And the fact that I did was what got me here. I think personally that I am just at the beginning of my career. Everything else to me up until this point was all just training. Like now is like, now I'm really in it. Mm -hmm. Like everything else was really wonderful and it was a great experience. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, like, just the fact that I could write that letter to my father, just the fact that I could do that alone to me tells me like I am in such a strong place in my life as an artist where like I in just in my life where regardless of even if I don't even continue with film where I can choose my life based on my own terms and and not need or rely on anyone but myself to walk through the world and the thing that i realized though is that being 100% in attracts the kind of people you want around you as well. Mm-hmm. One of my producers is a multi-million dollar producer. You know, I have you as a friend. I have many great friends who would have my back in the worst of times. I never had that in my twenties, but through my passion and my desire, and my willingness to go, you know, it, it's also an example of, it exemplifies who I am as a person. You know, people begin to see you as, well, you're the kind of person that does this. And so then that translates through everything. It translates yeah. through friendships. It translates through relationships. And the thing is, is that this is kind of the point I wanted to get into the conversation mm-hmm. is that we got to get a little less attached to how it all works out. You know, yeah. this was the hardest part for me to grow past was that when I went all in, I was like this better work out because if this doesn't, then I'm fucked. That's kind of how I looked at it. Mm-hmm. But what I found out is like, no, you're not fucked. You're going to just figure it out. Maybe you crash and burn, but you'll pick up the pieces and don't ever be scared to go all in again. You know, is basically what I'm saying. And the thing is, is that part of your journey, you don't know what kind of adversity you're going to face in this journey. Yeah. And if it were easy and there were no adversity, everybody would do it. So I can pretty much guarantee you, you're going to face adversity. Maybe not the same kind of adversity I faced, maybe more, maybe less, likely less but you're going to face it and maybe in different ways, at least. So just embrace the fact that some of this shit is going to be hard and difficult and weird and whatever, but just always commit 100%. I'm going in, you know, hell or high water. I'm going to make this thing happen and get that attitude, right? Cause you know, that's what it's going to take and, and who knows how long it's going to take. But here's the thing. Here's the caveat. This is the real win of it all. The life experience. Yeah. I, I I know it sounds cliche. People used to say all the time, it's the journey. It is the journey, man. You get to a certain point, you say, I fucking lived. I lived. I could die right now. And I've lived up to this point. I've lived. I have a lot more life to live, but I'm not going to look back at this point in my life and be like, you know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go for it. And like, I never wanted to look back on my life and say like, if only I did it, if only I put all in, if only I tried. I'm not going to look back on my life and say that. So that's the real win. And so I think if you can, if you can, if you're walking around today and you think like, if I die today, I have so much life I haven't yet lived, then you're not living enough. You're not going all in enough. You're not burning your bridges. Because if you start burning your bridges, you're going to be walking around going, if this is it, if this is my last moment, if I have a brain aneurysm, I get hit by a car, is a uh, terrorist fucking thing or whatever. If if it's over now. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be laying there dying going, oh, if only I'm going to be laying there going, fucking what a ride. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Right. So like, I think we got to get, you know, and I think we want to do that, but the world doesn't tell us, it doesn't encourage us to say what a fucking ride. That's how this should be. It's a ride. Yeah. Life.
1: Yeah. It's like, we're, we're told to, um, sort of, to, to be careful, to, to, we're basically told to be careful. (laughs) That's essentially, it's like, be careful out there. Um, be very careful. And there's lots of things you got to be careful of. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a certain sense, there is a certain wisdom that I think can be upheld with um, an amount of, but I think it just, it, it gets, it's really overcome a lot of our senses. It's interesting. I just started reading a book that, um, that my fiance has been telling me for a while now. She's like, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. Uh, it's called the Seed of the soul by Gary Zukav or something. And I just got into it and he's getting into this thing and it, it's, it was funny because he's, uh, it, it touched upon something that I read in an Alan Watts book as well, although he didn't directly reference it. Basically, he's talking about this idea of evolution, right? And he's like, and and in Alan Watts he talked about it just as kind of science and as a more general thing. But in science and in evolution, saying that we basically, as a society, determined that the most evolved beings are the ones who. Um, have a certain complex form and who have the, have adapted the best to their environment and have the greatest, um, chance of survivability, right? That's in essence, survivability is how we've determined the highest evolved beings. And so he's pointing out is that this is actually kind of fucked up that this is how we've determined. This is like the epitome of life is just on surviving. Hmm. Right? That surviving is just kind of like that's just seems to be there's something that's just the very bare minimum about that. That's just very unsatisfying about that whole thing. And that human and so what I've just started to scratch on with like this book that I'm reading is he's talking about um how a lot of like wisdom and these things people have been saying for a long time is part of our evolution to the next step essentially, which is beyond just surviving, but, um, but there's an emotional, um, spiritual quote unquote connection that is crucial for the next step of, of human evolution. Mm. Uh, and I think much in, in that way, we're talking about how what we're doing as artists in our lives and the goals that we, we set up for ourselves. Yes, of course we want to be successful at what we do, you know, but sometimes it's our ideas of what that success looks like, our attachments to what that success looks like that end up just completely destroying us. And they (laughs) confuse us. They send us off in directions that, are not really authentically who we are. And we start doing things, you know, for the wrong reasons. Even if it's the things, if it's something that we love doing, we start doing the thing we love for the wrong reasons. And it makes our experience of life very difficult and more difficult than it needs to be. And I think we do this constantly to ourselves as artists and I mean, there is a lot of pressure on us. I mean, like we've been talking about friends and family are, you know, can be people who, who question us, who doubt us, you know, um, because we don't necessarily fit into, you know, the safe and careful modes of living that a lot of other, that most other people live by right? There's nothing that's necessarily safe and careful about being an artist. But as another flip on perception in this, well, what is safe and careful about compromising what you want to do, what what you really love to do? What is safe and careful about giving up those things? There's nothing safe and careful about that. Because like you said, because then there's a whole life that you wanted to live that was unlived, Mm -hmm. that was unexperienced. And as I've been learning is that so like this whole thing of life is like, it's not about anything to get to. It's about how we're creating an experience for us now. Not that it doesn't lead us to things in the future that might resemble these kind of superficial goals that we set ourselves up for, right? Like fame and wealth and all of this stuff. But when that becomes the sole focus of it, we suffer in the, in the present and trying to achieve something in the future. And then we arrive to that future potentially. And then it's not the experience we wanted it to be anyhow. Yeah. So it's, it's, how do we create more of an experience for ourselves now? That's more like the life that we want to have now and to me, this is a a, a huge thing for, for us as artists to get past that, to help us get past that discouragement, because usually that discouragement is, has a lot to do with our notions or preconceptions about what our lives are supposed to look like.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting you're bringing up, cause there's a couple of things here. You're bringing up the whole survival thing as being the highest form, um, currently in our model. And I, I, we mentioned this before, and I know I've talked about it on the podcast, um, is about survival mode and thrival mode. Mm-hmm. And even if you're at the pinnacle top point of survival mode, you're at the absolute peak, which pretty much human existence is at now. It's like, maybe some people have a little bit better survival means than others, but for the most part, most of us, I'm talking like probably 95% really, we're in a place of like, we don't really have to worry too much about like, we're going to live. We know we're going to live tomorrow. We know we're going to live the next week, month, you know, and really like, yeah, we can we can say that we're scared and we won't be able to do it, but we're probably going to live for the next year, several years. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got a lot of survival covered and that's if you're bottom of the barrel, like Mm -hmm. in maybe even homeless, you know, but when you're middle, even middle, lower class or whatever, or higher, you're going to live your whole life. I mean, unless fucking cancer, like you, you destroy yourself with food and, and, and vices, you know, and smoking and drinking and all this other crap. But like, unless you self-destruct, unless you kill yourself slowly or quickly, you're probably going to live for a really long time. And we kind of know this. Mm -hmm. And so people are depressed. And so then they commit suicide because they know they're going to live forever. Why would you commit suicide? You know, you're going to live forever. You fucking hate your existence. And so you do yourself in. I mean, that's how this works, right? Mm -hmm. So thrival mode is where the top of survival mode ends is where thrival mode begins. Mm -hmm. And thrival mode is when you start daring survival mode by experiencing self, experiencing, uh, what is possible. And in a way, the reason why it's so scary to people in survival mode is because when they see people in thrival mode, they go, yeah, but you could die. You could, all their fears because they're in survival mode. Think about it. If you're in survival mode, what's your greatest fear? Death. If you're in thrival mode, death, isn't your greatest fear. Your greatest fear is not living, Hear me out. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. In survival yeah. mode, your greatest fear is that you will die. In thrival mode, your greatest fear is that you won't live. The perception shifts. You start to see that I could I may be dead right now. I may be the walking yeah. dead. You know, and so I need to live. I have a life inside of me that needs to live. So, thrival mode when when I say go 100% all in, if you're in thrival mode, and you are in that right now, and you hear me say that you get it one hundred percent. People who are in thrival mode know exactly what i 'm talking about. People who are in survival mode they're going to go "Oh, can't burn that bridge, yeah. uh, I need that safety net because you're in survival mode. you haven't made the shift yet, and I'm not saying it's easy yeah but and also thrival
1: mode is a mentality it 's yeah. not necessarily like. You're not. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have like outrageous fortunes and stuff like that. Like no. the thing is, like people can have, have, you know, be extraordinarily, um, have an, have an extraordinary amount of money, but not be wealthy. Oh, they can opinion. still be like, in survival. Well, mode. Well, yeah, they can yeah. still completely be in survival mode. Wealth is like a, a whole different type of thing. It's uh, wealth is beyond money. And thrival is beyond money. It's, it is a state of being. It's, yeah, it's a way of being in the world. And I I wish I was in that state more often, (laughs) but like, you know, know, I've, I've been in that state where I'm, where it's just like, where it's just like you, life is just like so full and so vibrant and I feel free and like, I can create anything and I can do anything Mm -hmm. that I want right? Like that's, that's thrival mode.
0: Fearlessness. Comes. Fearlessness. Or, yeah. or at least enough courage to face fear and, and not the fear of fear. Put it that way. Mm. You're still, you can still be scared, uh, but not the fear of fear. Like it's like, uh, Kennedy said, I think it was the only thing to fear is fear itself.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you're not like thrival mode. The difference is you're not no longer scared of being scared. Most of us are scared of being scared. Yeah. And that's, I think how we slip back into survival mode. But if we can, and then I think at a certain point, and I don't want to cut you off, but I think at a certain point when you become, uh, unafraid of fear, you get to a certain point where you start to face fear so much that things you used to be scared of, you're no longer scared of. And so to others who are in survival mode, it looks like fearlessness, Mm -hmm. but at some point you still had to face that fear. You know, like you've overcome the fear and it looks like fearlessness, but it's not like you never had the fear to begin with. Yeah. Most of us, if we, Um, like we naturally have fears, like a fear of heights, a fear of poisonous animals, a fear of danger, whatever, like heat, whatever. Certain things, there's things that we can be scared of naturally. And we have to boundary test that until we can get to the point where we're no longer scared of that. But most everybody, unless there's some psychological issue, we are pretty much Predisposition to fear certain things, Mm -hmm. and this is good because it keeps us alive. And before we're logical and aware, we won't kill ourselves by falling off the edge of a cliff or something. Yeah. But as we become more aware and more like you know educated, we start to be like, well, I can walk to the edge of the cliff and I can look over it, and I know that I will stand on the edge of the cliff and not fall off because I'm aware enough. And so I'm willing to test the boundary of how close will I get to the edge, but we can do that as we get older. But a little kid, you can't just be like, oh yeah, go run around and play next to the edge. Cause the little kid doesn't have enough, um, the mental, like, uh, I don't know what I want to call it, but enough, um, education, enough awareness yet to know, the dangers of how they could make a mistake or stumble or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so until we build a certain kind of capacity to function in the world on basic survival levels, it's, it's tough for us to be in travel mode. So we all kind of have to go through our survival stage. It's, it's a stage of existence and not all of us pass through the stage.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Um, so yeah. Um, he, okay. Here's the thing that I really wanted to get to. Okay. I wanted to talk about how we are, planting seeds mm. that are going to grow in time into be something and that we don't always know how long it will take for the seeds to grow into what we think we want. And, um, I think a lot of the time we're, we're practicing, we're training, you're in classes, courses, reading, doing all this work and you're getting no results, but what's happening to the seed under the ground is not something that you necessarily see. You Mm -hmm. only see once the seed grows into something and breaks the surface. And even then it can seem quite underwhelming at first. It isn't until this thing, this seed that's grown into this plant or this tree or whatever has grown into something much bigger that we really see what that seed was in the beginning. So what I want to suggest to people is that part of... Part of what we're talking about today, in my opinion, is about planting seeds that you may have to put time and effort and energy and persistent work into that you won't see results for a bit, but something is happening. Like, I can tell you this, something is happening, but you just are not able to see it. Yeah. And if the results seem mediocre at first, just understand that usually results will tend to be mediocre at first for all things. It's everything begins humbly. You know, this whole idea like overnight success is such bullshit, but we're taught to believe that. Mm -hmm. But like, look at most of the actors or musicians or whoever was there. They were practicing for years. There was so much time before and we never knew anything about them. That was all the time that it was growing under the surface. Yeah you know, and for them, then they got to experience a little of their ability. And then now it's their ability. We get to experience some of their ability, but it's only because they stayed with it and they figured out that, you know, to keep doing the work because the the, the final thing I want to say on this point is that I think some people plant seeds, they do a lot of work, they don't see the results. And then they still say they're growing the plant or the tree or whatever it is but really they're not watering it anymore. They're not putting any work. They're not helping the soil. They're not doing anything to help the seed anymore. And they're saying it never worked out, but I'm still doing it. That is self-destruction behavior. Yeah. You, you, you need to be doing work on the thing, regardless of the result you're getting. And it comes back to your main point, which is that you've got to experience the joy of watering your own seeds of, you know, of nurturing your own plant, your own plantations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, even still continuing to show up on the days when you don't necessarily feel like it. Right. Just doing a little something, putting a little, you know, watering it a little bit, you know, like it's just, you know, it's, and it doesn't have to be big things, but it's just like, it's a little thing. It's just little actions. You know, you continue to To show up, you continue to put a little bit of energy into it, because, you know, that energy comes back to you, I think, genuinely, like, you know, we're, we are rewarded for these things. Um, but we get so easily discouraged, you know, when we don't see things happening right away, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, we did... We did a great uh podcast a little while ago. We did uh Why We Love Film Volume 2 and we talked about The Karate Kid. Mm. You know, and uh and how you know Mr. Miyagi's got Daniel doing all of this stuff, you know, sand the floor, wax the car, paint the fence, and he's just like do and he's done all of this stuff and he's just like what the fuck am mm-hmm. I doing? right? Like, and he finally blows up Adam and he's just like, like, this is garbage and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And then it all is revealed to him there in that like one moment that it's just like, he's been learning like basically how to defend himself. Yeah. He's been learning like the most fundamental thing that he needed to learn and building a strength in it as well. Right. And it's like, you know, these things, we don't always necessarily know what they're for, but if we keep showing up, if we're doing in the work and it, you know, some of this conversation comes down to having a bit of faith yeah, in it too. Right. Having faith in what you're doing, having faith that what you're going to do is going to work. Cause sometimes that's all you're running on, you know, because like, yeah, there's, you are not seeing necessarily anything coming back to you, but I mean, that's really, where you start to find like what you're really made of, where you really find the love for what you do is when it's just like, I'm not seeing anything coming back for it, but I'm still showing up here and I'm still showing up here. Why am I showing up here? Fuck. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You just like, and you you go through that thing, but you keep going, you keep Mm. doing it. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. All right. That's, uh, I don't, it was Dan Millman as well, but he got it from somewhere else. He's like, you can give up as many times as you want, as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other, right? <laughs> like it's just like such it's, a great one. Yeah, it's it's such a great one. Like you just, you know, like it's, and and I think that's another illusion that we need to to get past as well is that like progress is made in these big giant leaps and steps. It's not. No. Like it's really not. I just watched a really terrific, um, big think talk. I'll include a link to it in the, um, in the blog for it. But, um, he's like the chief editor for Wired magazine or something. And he did this whole talk on optimism and it was called something like optimists determine the future. And he essentially gets into, um, You know, it's like you can you can try and break things down into cold, hard facts and blah, 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 but really the optimists are the ones who keep the world going, who are the ones who innovate, who are the ones who who propel us on. And he was talking about this whole thing of progress. And he's saying the thing is that it's like it is progress is so incremental and the news doesn't cover it because it's so small right? But it's huge. It's something that you can almost only see when you look back.
0: Mm.
1: Only when you look back, do you see the progress? Because when you look back, you go, oh, yeah, things have gotten better. Overall, like, yeah, we come up with new things, like new technologies, and we innovate new things. And those kind of create their own sets of problems. But then we, you know, fix it. And he's like, and that's the way it goes right? It's like, he said every year, it's like a, he said, it's 1%. Things get better by 1% every single year. He's like, it's not huge, but it's huge at the same time. And I think maybe we need to look at our own progress that way. It's 1%, it's 1%, it's 1%, it's 1%, you know? And it's like, and that, and also that takes a, that takes huge weight off of us as well in terms of what we think we have to do necessarily on, on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis. But if we keep doing it, we keep showing up, things start to happen until suddenly that 1% just has become something so big. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, we're talking about this 1% thing. So I've been writing every single day for the last four Mm. so odd years in one month from today, 30 days from now, I will have written for five years straight every single day, never missed a single day, 30 minutes every day.
1: That's amazing.
0: So yeah, 18, I think it's 1820 days. Pretty sure that's the day. I'm almost certain. Um, but anyway, I'll double check it, but I'm almost certain that it's 1820 days. I'm almost there. So 30 more days. I think I'm going to throw a little party about it, you know, just to celebrate. Yeah, because I wanted not? to do my goal was I wanted to write for five years straight and not stop at all. And I said, if I miss one single day, I will start the whole thing over again. So that's kind of the stakes, right? And now I'm going to go on to 10 years now. I'm going to do 10 years. So I'm going to do another five year commitment of writing every single day. But this, you know, you know, it's been profound what's happened for me as a writer. I mean, Mm -hmm. I could only imagine now I feel like I'm just beginning. I'm just beginning the whole thing. And so it took five years to just begin to get to the point. So like, I think that's daunting for someone, but it's like literally just pick something and do it every single day. Get that 1% a little, 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 it all adds up. It all does something. I mean, you know, the other a month ago or so, um, maybe a little less now I wrote a feature in two days, which is my record time. Yeah. Two half days even, you know, I could write a feature in a day now. I believe that'll be my next, you know, my next goal. And then maybe I'll write a feature in half a day. Who knows? I don't really care. Yeah. But you know, there's a certain point where it's like, uh, what, what does it matter anymore? But the thing is, is that it really is true. Just these incremental things. And so, um, you know, I want to kind of just piggyback on your point and say, plant a seed, something you want, create a vision, create an idea, put it in the ground, you know, in your life and water it and nurture it and take care of it a little every day and just do it until, until you, until you see what you want. And if it takes you, you know, make a commitment, like be like, well, I'll do it. If you want to do it for 30 days and you want to see what happens, fine. Do it for 30 days. See what happens. If you want to do it for a year, do it for a year. If you want to do it for five, do it for five. If it's 10, if it's 20. Like if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, take the most important thing to you, that you would find the love of your life or you would have the acting career you always dreamed of the filmmaking career you always dreamed of the writing career the musician career whatever but you knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt that it, there was a certain amount of time and if you just did a little work every day that you would have it would you if you knew it was 20 years would you do something every single day knowing that it would happen if you did like how what's your year what's your drop off point right So I think the thing is, is that if you're only in acting or say filmmaking for a month and you're like, if nothing happens in a month, I'm out. Well, your chances of being out are probably quite high. But if you're willing to stick it in for a year or two or three, your chances are getting really good. If you're willing to stick it out for five or 10, very, very good. And I, I would be willing to bet if you're willing to stick it out for, you know, 15 to 20 years in whatever you're doing, and this is good for someone who's say 17 years old, who's just getting out of high school if you're willing to put in your, you know, your five, 10, 15, 20 years, if you're willing to do it, I mean, if you incrementally put effort into that every single day, how could you not succeed? Mm -hmm. Just like, just accumulate that, right? Like I put half an hour minimum every day into writing, right? Minimum. Um, if, you put half an hour into doing anything, and I 'm talking real work i'm not talking dicking around you know like pretending to do work I'm talking yeah. real work, but if you did anything for half an hour every day, play the guitar every day for half an hour, what do you think's going to happen you 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 don't think you're going to become exceptional, like how could you not Now yeah you're going to get better now here's the thing i'm going to say this further at first, I was half an hour now i'm like a lot of the time I write for three hours a day, no problem, not even you know. Uh, some I've, I've had days where I've written for 16 hours in a single day. I didn't even know I could do it until I did it. I remember the first time I did eight hours and I was like, "Whoa!" Oh, I did eight. I'm talking real hours of writing, you know, and then I did 16. And the thing is, is what ends up happening is you're building a massive amount of strength. You don't even realize you're building and a, and a, and a, a tremendous amount of capacity to focus and, and, and an ability to write like the letter I wrote my dad the other day or yesterday was a product of five years almost of writing straight, of having the capacity to put my thoughts together so well that I could express exactly what I needed to express to him in a letter where he would look at what he did and recognize, hey, you know, I get it. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing, you know, and I, I mean, those who don't know my dad don't maybe understand how big of a deal that really is. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is like, this is, this is what happens is it is, it's incremental. But one day, you know, if I continue with this and I pursue this further, you know, one day people might say, oh, wow, you're a really great writer. But there was a lot of little incremental moves that got us here, you Mm -hmm. know, that got me here and then got us because I think who's ever involved in the story to some degree is is a part of the whole process. So anyway, uh, I didn't mean to, uh, I just want to comment on that point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I liked it yeah um, I'm gonna take a quick break let's take a quick break here. this has been a kind of a funny one. oh my God. um so uh we're having our beer, which we do on the podcast. if you haven't listened before, uh we drink a beer over the course of the podcast <laughs> um because that's kind of how these conversations got started, and so we try something different all the time. This is one we've never had before uh from a brewery we've had before, but not Good. this particular beer. <laughs> Um, cause I'm sure I love the brewery. Yeah. You, oh, I know you do. Um, and so this one, I know I took a chance with this one here cause I know that you particularly have specifically said this type of beer is not one that you, so I guess typically care for, but it sounded interesting. I'm like, Oh, this might be good though. Maybe this will be like a, a good entry level one, but, uh, yeah. Why don't you, you, you give your thoughts no, on let it. Let
0: me give a caveat we, we almost always like the beers. We're almost always like pretty happy with them. I think mostly because we usually do a taste test. Recently, we've been going in blind and not doing a taste test and taking more risks on beers. So it's the chances of us finding one we didn't like are more likely. Um, and you know, also like whatever, it's my personal preference, but I really don't like this beer. I give it two thumbs <laughs> down. I'm just going to start with that. It's sour and bitter. And it, and when I took my first sip, I was like, Oh, what am I drinking? It's gotten better. Don't get me wrong with more, more of a taste. It tastes like wine. I think it's a Saison. Um, it could be potentially a sour, but I was like, would heaven get me a sour? Um, but anyway, uh, I think it's a Saison. That's my guess. It's kind of, I mean, we've been talking and I've barely gotten through any of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was not, I don't recommend it personally, but if you like Saison's, then do it. But I have n- literally no comment on the beer because I particularly don't like this beer and don't consider this beer, but <laughs> I guess it is. Yeah. You know, that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, admit I took my first sip of it and I kind of had a similar reaction. I was like, whoa, like that is, that is a smack in the Freaking teeth, man. Uh, so this is um, from 49th Parallel. Okay. And this is called their Apricotopus.
0: Apricotopus.
1: Apricotopus, and it is a um, sour saison. Oh, of course it's an both apricot <laughs> and apricot sour saison. I didn't realize. I like apricot. Eat, though. I didn't realize. I know that's why I, I was kind of tempted. I was like apricot. That could be all right. Um,
0: yeah, I get the apricot in there,
1: but, uh, it's, I didn't realize this either when I bought it. It's a strong beer as well. It's almost 7%. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it's interesting. (laughs) It's really interesting. It's not my favorite. Um, you know, like I, for me, I, I'm usually sort of like with, um, with sours and, and saisons, like I'm, I can be a little bit, take it or leave it. So I've had some that are, I've quite enjoyed and others where I'm in like, no, not quite. Um, this is probably more like that ladder for me, like, no, not quite, but, um, there's more of it here and I'm not going to waste it either. So you
0: you go ahead. I'm I'm not going to have any more. Um, (laughs) 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 that's a first, (laughs) that is a first, um, you know, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 want our listeners to, to know that, you know, we're honest about it. I mean, and cause I think people might be like, well, you like every beer, but it's like, no, we don't. And we're not sponsored by these beer companies either. And I don't want to slam yeah. any, I, I went into this blind. I don't know who the beer company was. Um, it's just personally not my kind of beer. I don't like it. Some people yeah. like Saison's and that's fine. And, and you know what, if you like sours and you like Saison's, it's probably perfect. And but, you like strong beer. Yeah. Then this is it. Yeah.
1: This is it. This is the one for you. <laughs> it's just not a, not a fit. There for is you. a bit of that apricot in there, but I like, well, a, but. I
0: like a lot of their other beers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, um, I mean
1: their gypsy tears is like, Oh, it's one of my favorites. That's like a, that's like a Vancouver institution. Yeah. In unto itself is just their
0: gypsy tears. Um, totally. So, you know, it's, I'm glad that you took a risk on a brewery it already had because I've already given them many positive reviews already. So, um, you know, whatever. It's (laughs) right. You're, you're allowed to not like it, Brandon. Yeah. I always feel bad though. You know, it's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want anyone to, like, I, you know, I don't want to ever just like slam anybody else, you know, I'm, yeah. uh, you know, i be mindful of that, but I, I'm not going to lie and be like, Oh, I love it. And it's, I, you know, I don't because I want to have yeah. integrity and be honest about, you know, where I'm at. Of course. So, of course. Well, we've had a lot of beers. I mean, we've had a lot of podcasts. We sure have. So you we know. sure have. So, um, I don't know. Do you, much do, else to say? Do we have much else to
1: say on this one? I don't know if I necessarily have much else to say on this one. I mean, I think we've gotten into some great stuff, explored some really good things.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't have, you know, I don't have much left to say really. Um, I mean, we were talking about, I mean, we're talking about staying on track and, and all of that, right. And so what I think staying on track is if you think of a train track, right. You think about all the little wooden slats in between the bars, every step you take forward is like putting down another little slat right? And you are the only one that will determine where the track of your life will go. And you know the direction you want to head. And so when you run up against obstacles in life that stop you from being able to go directly there, or you have to climb some, what seems like a mountain to get over whatever you have to face first, just look at it as one slat at a time, one little thing at a time. You don't have to build the whole track today or this week or this year, but you will build a portion of it. And it might be a very, very slow period, uh, a very slow time of building this track that takes a very long amount of time where nothing really seems like it's getting done and you're not really getting any results and you seem like you're getting nowhere and it seems pointless. And so my advice to anybody, you know, is that just put one foot in front of the other, one slat in front of the other, you know, get to the point where you just, the everything, nothing is forever. Like nothing is forever. And this is good because I'm not saying that your relationships or something like that, like when I say nothing is forever, that it means the relationship will end, but any period in a relationship will end and things change and the train alters in life and you become different as you take the journey. And so embrace the fact that you just have really one job when you have a goal or a dream is simply to keep moving forward in the direction that is your vision. And that requires optimism and faith. If you get off course and you start going off and you start getting into pessimism and all this other stuff, even if you do that for a while, Redirect course. You always know where your North Star is. It's in your heart and it's in your vision, and your vision takes your heart and puts it out in the world. So you always know where you are, and you'll always know where your true vision leads you. So you can always direct yourself towards that. And if you don't know where to go, go back inside you. That's my advice. And I think what I'm going to do walking away from this, my practical thing that I'm taking, is that as I look towards where I'm going, I'm going to keep checking back in with myself so I can keep strengthening my vision of where I'm going because I am seeing now, just as I kind of pointed that out, actually how important it is to reinforce your vision by checking in with what's in your, what's in my heart. I'm going to keep checking with my heart so that I can keep reinforcing the optimism of my vision. No matter how off track things may seem at moments to understand that this is not going to throw me off that I know where I am and I know where I want to go. And no matter what terrain, no matter what happens, I still am clear on that. No matter what, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how foggy, no matter how unclear, I know where I am and I know where I want to go. I don't necessarily know how to get there. I don't know what the journey will be like, but I know the two main points, where this starts and where this is, where this is going. Mm -hmm. And then once I get to wherever it's going, I'll be going somewhere else, but I know where I'm going for now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I would say for me, it's like, um, some of my takeaways from this is, yeah. Like refocus on the love when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling like giving up, it's like refocus because that's, I think that's, we get lost in a lot of the other shit. Refocus on the love, refocus on what you love about what it is that you do, do that, you know, reconnect with sort of the purity, the innocence of what you do, uh, and, and that can go a long way. And I, I also want to say that um, if you find yourself in a place where you're really struggling, you're really being challenged right now and questioning uh, your path and, and what you're doing, um, as hard as it can be, know that this could be the, also the most powerful time of, of growth. transformation for you as well. This could be the catalyst to, to greater meaning and connection to your work beyond what you've ever had before. That could only happen because of, of the challenge that you're facing now. Um, you know, sometimes you've got to take, you sometimes you got to take a couple steps back so you can get a running start at something, right? So
0: I like it. And what are you going to yeah. take forward it to do? And my
1: takeaway from this one, you know, I really, uh, love this incremental idea behind it. And for me, I'm, I'm going to start, uh, asking myself, what's 1% today? Oh, cool, I like that. I'm like, what's 1% today? Because I can do 1%. We can all fucking do 1%. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's 1% towards doing what I love today? making my life look more of, of how I want it to look. What's 1% today. So that's it, man. That's, that's my, my takeaway.
0: That's awesome. I really like that. I'm kind of jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> you can take it. It's all right. I will.